Good morning. How many of you remember last time I didn't know how to do my mic? <laughs> I, have imp- I have been educated. It is always such a joy to be here in Pathway Church. It's a favorite place of mine to come um, because you're so expressive in your worship and you welcome God's presence and you live in God's presence. And it's such a, such a cool thing. And I, you know, again, the world's been hard to live in and, and you've, you've had some challenges, but no more, right? No more. And it's beautiful, it's exciting, and it's exciting for Pastor Brian to be with you. You know how many, do you know from all of eternity he designed this moment? Isn't that cool? It's cool for you, it's cool for you. You have a leader who walks in the anointing and the blessing of God who roots himself in scripture. And so you will experience the flow out of this man's soul and the blessing of what God has been doing and preparing for him. So it's really, really cool. I'm excited for you. I was driving down just thinking this is such a special moment. And, uh, you know, I I recognize as we're kind of talking with some people earlier and, you know, sometimes it's a Sunday off for people, but not us, man. I get to be here with you. So it's a, it's a cool moment. It's like one of my friends said, you're going to go there and work. I said, absolutely, man. This is a great place to go. It's not hard. It's exciting for me. So it's cool. I pray that God's blessing will pour over you and you'll experience his touch and his taste um, in your very senses and you'll have a sense of him healing some areas and opening some possibilities for you. Isn't it beautiful behind me? Do you, do you know, and can I, can I remind you how much aesthetics actually matter? Sometimes the beauty of a moment, the wonder of a leaf, or the mountains, or even a set decor can help create an atmosphere where our hearts can put down what we're carrying and pick up the experience of the day. And it's really cool to have a Christmas season. I mean, again, I know we talk about it all the time, and it gets a little tiresome to talk about. It's still true, though. We've had really a, a wild, chaotic year, and yet it's got to be Christmas. Just kind of showed up on the calendar. And we kind of showed up there in it. And don't you know, that's God's gift to you. I, I found it interesting that early on people were beginning to say to me things like, you know, I'm, well, you could see it on the the social media, everybody's decorating their house earlier, no wonder. They're looking for some kind of joy. Of course they are. And don't you, don't you see what an amazing God that he would set up the Christmas season so that even though the world has been challenging and hard and frustrating, bam, we end up to remind ourselves, not just that the beauty of the Christmas lights, I like those. So, you know, some people say, I don't, yeah, I'm not one of them. I like it but it's Advent and he's here and he reminds us in the calendar that I have come 2,000 years ago and I sent my spirit, my presence is with you. And so for 2,000 years, it's not been the same. It's been different because the kingdom of God is here and the, the celebration of the calendar... The celebration of the calendar kind of calls us and it pulls us from the back of our mind that maybe God is with me somewhere, which you sang he's faithful, right? So he sang that. To the front of our mind to say, no, he is faithful. And it's beautiful how God inspires artists, like the artists that were up here. And one of my joys is to watch the different artists and their artistry in the guitar, the drums, or the 
the uh, singing and the different pieces and how they experience God and how they help us to experience God. But you were able to sing because God inspired an artist to put words into your mouth. Isn't that a cool thing? They put words that's in our heart. We don't know how to give them voice. And they give us the words and we say, yeah, that's what I meant. It's kind of like a Hallmark card. That's what I meant to say. And so the artists help us. That's what David's Psalms do. They help us to pray. They help us to put words into our mouth when we say, yeah, that's kind of what I feel like. <clears throat> and so it's been amazing to be a part of that. And today, you sang these words, your presence is an open door. It's always his presence that opens the door. It's not human power. It's not human possibility. It's not strategy or strategic thinking. It's revelation. And the leaders of the future will lead by revelation, not by strategy, because his presence is the open door. So today I want to walk you through how to get out of the earth hang on, I'll explain that, and get into the kingdom of God as a normal pattern of your life. We have to go through the scripture to do that because that's one of the ways that God opens the future for us and opens our minds to see differently. So it wouldn't take too long to start expressing to you again, sorry, just need to do this real quick recap, how hard the year has been. But I want to kind of fasten your seatbelt. Ready? Because I'm going to throw some things at you that will, for some of you, be normal. Some of you may be stirring, but here we go. I was having a conversation with a friend in November of 2019, in the middle of November, when in the conversation, the Holy Spirit washes over me, and I said to my friend, oh, my word, there is a major paradigm shift coming that's going to cause great distress in the lives of people. I prayed about that wrote about that in my journal, asked the Lord about that. Then I began to tell some different people, this is what the Lord has said. Some of the problem in these moments, again, we talked about, we sang about hearing his voice, is we don't know what to do with these things. In March of this year, we were shut down for weeks because of a paradigm shift brought on by COVID. I had actually told some of my friends and one of them said to me, oh my gosh, I remember you telling me this. Well, why would God tell anybody that? Psalm 25, I think it's 14, says the Lord confides in those who fear him. So he tells us things to get us ready and to help us to know what he is doing. So in March, the pan pandemic comes across and gets and we're into shutdown for a couple of weeks and you know, economies and all those kinds of things. But that wasn't the only challenge of 2020, was it? We end up with some significant racial tension and trying to figure out what's going on, how is it we see people differently. And then there's, there's all kinds of confusion on that stuff, and I get it. I'm, I'm actually just telling you that's real, right? That's, that's just real. And then we end up with political wrath, I mean, like wrath. I mean, people wanting to remove each other from the earth because of a political, really? Are you, not you, though it might be you, <laughs> come to think of it. I was actually walking with, working with a, and walking with a pastor and, and he's discouraged over the election stuff. I said, dude, what's your problem? Have you never heard of the kingdom of God? Like, what are you doing? 
You put your hope. My hope is built on nothing less. Right? Nothing less. Not political, nothing less. Jesus said, repent and believe the kingdom of God is here. Stop believing in a political answer. I'm not saying you don't vote. I, this is not a political statement. This is just mostly, again, back to what Pastor Brian said. This is a biblical statement. How about we shift from the politics? I'm not saying you don't get involved and pray and all those things. But shift to the kingdom of God, right? Because your sons and daughters are the most high God. And if you learn to live in the kingdom, don't hear that as accusation, I'm not saying it that way, then the people around you will begin to experience the kingdom of God because you will embody it and you will take it with you wherever you go. Well, Isaiah chapter 9, there is this opening uh, words that I want to call your attention to, but to get there, I want to give you two things, a background on eight and then something else. First, I'll give you something else. The scripture is actually, the, in Paul writes to Timothy, it's God-breathed. Watch this. God breathes out. When you read it, you breathe in. He breathes out. When you read it, you breathe in. God's breath gets in you when you read his word. It's the reading, the intake of his word that starts to give revelation of what he's doing on the earth. I'll show you that in a couple of ways in Isaiah and the Gospel of John, but here's, here's what happens in Isaiah chapter eight. Isaiah is told in chapter six, go tell these people be ever hearing, but you're never gonna get it. How would you like that assignment? When will it end, God, is what he ends up saying. And God says, till the city lies in ruins, it's never going to end. I mean, sometimes we measure people's impact by their success. Isaiah didn't have any in the human way. And yet, he was entrusted in sacred trust with such richness that we still feed off of the breath of God that went out and he breathed it in and then it was written for me and you. Isaiah chapter 8 <clears throat> Isaiah says that there's coming the Syrians and they're going to come and this is again a little TMI sometimes but you got to get the you got to get the discomfort to get the next part of it and and Isaiah he t says that the enemy is going to actually shave your heads and shave your private parts in other words they're going to humble you to pieces they're going to shame you listen very carefully Shame is a weapon of Satan, never of Jesus. Never will he shame you. Call you to repentance, yes. Challenge you, yes. Shame you, no. He made you. Anything you're experiencing shame about something about you is not from Jesus. Godly sorrow leads to repentance and it leaves no regret. He's not trying to get you to live in regret. Get into the new thing they talked about, right? Time to get in a new thing. Forget it and move on. So let's forget it and move on. And if it's shameful, we need to cast it down and say that's not from God. So the enemy was going to shame them like crazy. That was the plan of the enemy coming and God knew it. And so he predicted or ta taught that this was gonna happen. But then I want you to see what the first word, Isaiah chapter nine, the very first word is this, nevertheless. You're going to walk through shame? 
but that's not the only word. Nevertheless, I'm going to show you physically what happens here. This is living in the earth right now, down here at the bottom. It's pandemic, it's stuff going on in our culture with politics and all other kinds of things that are painful. It's sex trafficking. It's people angry at one another and accusing and pointing fingers. It's all those kinds of things. This is the earth. And yet, or nevertheless, there is another truth. And you and I have to learn to leave and get out of the earth and get back into the kingdom of God. Colossians chapter 1 says he has transferred us from the kingdom of earth or heaven, or I'm sorry, the world, in our darkness into the kingdom of light. So there is a move that we need to make. Do you see that? You have to move it. You have to actually choose it. And you have to choose it because what happens is we live by our feelings. Didn't, I think we sang about that. I'm not going to live by my feelings. Do you remember that? We, had to, we sang that. So you have to learn to move, and it's this way, when you're in the earth and you're trapped by the earth and you're trapped in fear and anxiety and frustration and accusations, it's somebody else's fault. Can I say this to you? Those people don't have control over your destiny. Jesus does. Joseph's story proves that. Jesus himself's story proves that when they say in Acts that they could only do what God had already designed to Jesus. Jesus said, they don't take my life, I give it. They may think they're taking it, but they're not in control. My father is. So what happens is you and I have to learn how do we move back up here because life happens and you get trapped. But your sons and daughters, this church has destiny that is incredible. Can I speak that to you again? You yourself have destiny that's incredible, but you can't get that living down here, getting trapped in anxiety, getting trapped in frustration, getting trapped in the past, getting trapped in accusations. You have to climb. You have to take your Ephesians chapter 2 seat in the heavens where he says these words. He seated us with Christ. So Isaiah chapter 9, he says these words. Nevertheless, that's a huge one. That's true. All the stuff is true, but there's a bigger truth. I want to say it to you again. You can't miss this moment. You have to fight spiritually in your mind. Do you hear that? You have to fight spiritually in your mind. You have to decide you're not going to live down there where all the crazy happens and the chaos happens. It happens. It's real. That's true, but nevertheless, there's a bigger truth up here in the heavens and in the kingdom. That's the one you want to choose. That's the one you want to think about. Paul, think about these things, whatever's righteous and good and those kinds of things. That's what he's teaching us. Get out of the earth. Get back. That's why you need community. That's why you need to be with other people who can say, Did, are you living on the earth? And you can say, yeah, I think I am. And they can invite you up into the heavens, up into the kingdom of God. You have to move from the earth to the kingdom of God. You got that? So watch what happens here. Nevertheless, nevertheless, love that. Love that. All that stuff is true. They're going to shame you, but there's a bigger truth. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. God is coming. That's what the word says. God is coming. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. 
The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. John chapter 1. You know this verse? He is the light. And in him there is no darkness. Isaiah wrote these words thousands of years ago before John writes his words. But do you know what John was doing? He was jumping up and down and shouting and saying, hey, Isaiah's true. It's true. Those in darkness have seen a great light and it's Jesus. And if you look, you can actually get out of the crazy that you're in of feeling like the world isn't going like you want it to. It's not working like your parents taught you. I'm a parent. I hope my kids would experience good too. It's not actually working out, and so we live in discouragement and darkness, and we accuse God. And there are people living all around you who do that it's because they're not living in the kingdom, right? They're not living up here. They're living with the darkness and a frustration. But John is saying the same thing that Isaiah is saying. He's saying, hey, 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 the king is here. The Isaiah chapter 9, John is hearkening back to Isaiah saying, this is what's happening. John's verses breathed out from the most high God, breathed in by John, or to get a hold of us and call us up to the kingdom of God. So that's the invitation today. How about we leave the earth, right? How about we live like sons and daughters of the most high God? How about we learn to look at the crazy and say, you got crazy, I got peace. How about we learn to pray with anointing and power so that when the people we love are in deep desperation, we can say, I don't know, but I know who does. And how about we learn to trust, which we said, that he's faithful in all seasons. And when Satan accuses God before us and says, doesn't look like to me he's faithful, we climb right out of the earth, get our seat in heaven, Ephesians chapter 2, seated with Christ in the heavens, and we say, everything he does is good. Everything. And his ways are above my ways. So I may not know what he's doing, but I know he's doing. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. This church has to reach its destiny. That's why God brought this man here. That's why God brought you here. Each of you and all of you who are online, that's the reason that he's doing this work. Okay, so I'm going to read on. The next verse, remember they were going to be shamed. The next verse, chap- chapter 9, verse 3. You have enlarged the nation. Enlarged the nation. What? I thought we were being captured. Yeah, but I'm God. And I'm going to reestablish and I'm going to enlarge. There is blessing coming. And increase their joy. Yeah, that sounds good. We can handle that, right? A little increased joy. But you get that in the kingdom. Because Paul said... The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We keep trying, we need to bring the kingdom to earth. That's how you make the earth better. It's not by design and strategy. It's the presence of God being brought. 
They rejoice before you. They rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. For in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the, bro the yoke that burdens them. Isn't that a cool picture? Watch this one. The bar across their shoulders. So they were carried off in prisoners. Remember, they have the bar across here and they couldn't do anything and God shattered that stuff. And that's what you can do. Hear me. Hear me, church. You are the people who actually activate this verse and take it out to other people. Once your shame is shattered, you can carry that out. That's what God wants to do in this Vero Beach and beyond. That's the reason you're here. That's the reason he's here. Is God is not done with this church, not even close. Not even close. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined with burning for burning and will be fuel for the fire because you won't need to fight like that anymore. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. Now, you can read those words and think he's just kind of piling on the same thing, right? But when, you, when God breathes out the scripture, he actually breathes it out with some detail that can help open and reveal things to us. So let me show you. So, unto, so to us a, a child is born. That sounds like a baby, right? A baby is born. A child is given? A son is given? Doesn't that sound like this? For God so loved the world that he gave his son unto us a son is born, or a son is given. To us a son is given. God so loved the world he gave his son. Do you see? Do you see what John was saying? The hope is in Jesus the hope is in Jesus, my brothers, my sisters, sons and daughters. And John is grabbing our minds and he's saying, do you see it? Well, this is what I'm talking about. The future is in, is in Jesus coming. Okay. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and of peace, there will be no end. In the kingdom of God, it does not end. There is the greatness of his government and peace, and there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it, upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. Watch this. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. It happens because God decided. And so the world can just say, we, we resist it. Go ahead. Acts chapter 4. Why do the nations rage? Why do they plot in vain? You cannot overcome what God is doing. Okay, <clears throat> the four pieces, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Those are actually invitations into the kingdom of God because those are leadership, governmental qualities. Now, the problem is sometimes when we read it, we kind of hive their plane over the thing and we miss the depth, which is why you have to think about the scripture. And when you're reading it, you have to ask the Lord to reveal so that you can capture what's happening there. Wonderful counselor. That's guidance. And sometimes what we've done in the past is we have this idea that in our, our guidance kind of moment, the wonderful counselor, we think God is our therapist, and he is. And Jesus was actually in your past when you were experiencing tragedy, and he was there, and he can show you what he was doing even if you don't think he was there. But usually that takes some prayer and some submission, some humility,
so that you can see what Joseph said. Oh, it was for, it was for good. God was in it. He was being hurt, but God was in it. And when you were being hurt, God was in it. He didn't approve of it, but he uses it because he's that kind of amazing God. And that's what the world does not know. So the wonderful counselor gives you wisdom. So those of you who are business owners should ask. Don't, don't hear that as shaming, I'm not. But you ask the Lord, how would you like our business to run? What are the steps we need to take? Those of you who work in businesses need to do the same thing. He actually knows the future. The God who said to me, there's a major paradigm shift coming, is the God who will speak to you too. So he's the wonderful counselor. But it doesn't, doesn't help you just to read those verses. You actually gotta ask him how to do it. And he's a mighty God because actually when God leads you, he often leads you in contrast to what else that looks. And so he loves story. Do you know that? He loves drama. He can't wait for the odds to be against him so he can say, that's what I was waiting for. And we're thinking we'd rather win handily every time. And God is like, oh no, there's no fun in that. There's fun in me showing up at the last moment. There's fun in me showing my glory to you so that the next moment you face a threat, you can say, you got nothing. Because I serve the mighty God. That's who's with me. And when you dream God's dreams, they're too big for you, but they're not too big for him. Everlasting Father, he's the Father who sees us, loves us, and is always with us. And if you're a parent, you know you would do anything for your kids. You don't know that God would do that for you. He's gotten a bad rap, like he's always mad. No, he's your father. He's a good father. Yes, he disciplines, don't you? Because you love your kids. And you don't always bail them out. So sometimes we're saying to God, you're not being faithful and bailing them out. And, we, and he has every right to say to us, did you do that to your kids? No, well, there you go. He's using language we could understand. And when you get all those together, you live under peace. So I'm gonna give you two quick stories and then lead you to experience it. Here's the first story. In the past, Sheila and I planted this church in Chicago. And when we were planting it, it was, a, it was really hard. Planting a church is miserable. It's really hard. Ask your pastor. It's really, really hard. Uh, there's some good things about it, but, but it also is really hard. So anyway, we were in this school, a high school auditorium, and uh, they, they, told, they tell me when we sign up to rent the school that they will not let us use Easter or Christmas. Well, those aren't big days in a church, so it doesn't really matter. What? Like, dude, that's, those are kind of Christian days, right? And he's like, yeah, but the school system says you can't get into the school. And Christmas Eve was going to be uh, a Sunday. And so you can't get in the weekend of Easter and you can't get in the weekend of Christmas. Like, oh, this is crazy. So I got to find a place where our church can worship. And we're a newish church and we were paying, I don't know, probably three, four, five hundred dollars maybe a week to rent the school. And we'd get there early, set up, break down, all that stuff that goes on. And so we don't have a place to, to worship, and I have to find a place. And so I said to the Lord, would you show me where you want us to meet? And there's a, there was on Barrington Road, uh, a few miles away, but there was this major banquet hall that was glitzy. I mean, it was whoosh, high class. I fit. Somebody started to laugh. You shouldn't have. <laughs> no, I, so it's high class, and I'm, I, seriously, I'm driving, a, I don't know, an old, beat-up, Mitsubishi little small church that used to be white and it's kind of orange. You know what I'm talking about? It's rusted out with holes in it, literally. 
and I'm going to drive into this glitzy parking lot and go meet this guy and ask him, can I rent your place? And he's going to look at me and say, there's no chance you're going to rent my place. So, so here I am pulling up, and, and uh, I'm so, un- I've asked God, give me grace in this man's eyes. That's a Nehemiah passage. And so I, I pull in, and uh, there we are. I, it's, it, this, the building sits here, and the parking lot's all this side. And so I decided, okay, what I think I'll do is park down at the end of the parking lot so he doesn't see my truck. And I did. In a Chicago December cold day. And about halfway up, I thought, you are so stupid. You don't see, think he sees you walking up? Like I'm trying to be invisible and I'm not. So I ring the doorbell and the person comes to let me in and and I said, I'd like to talk about renting the facility. Oh, okay. So they, the reception person just takes me in. There's a, just a decent sized, smallish office. And I sit down. He said, well, how can I help you? I said, well, I'd like to, to rent your facility. So he says, okay, well, we charge um, 100 people $15 a person. So remember what I pay, 500 It's $1,500. And we're a small plant. And I'm thinking, ugh, well, I got no choice. I said, okay. He said, when do you want it? I said, Christmas Eve. He said, oh, no, we don't work Christmas Eve. I said, well, I'll pay you. I don't need the money. When a business doesn't need money, you have no leverage. Like, I, I'm, I'm out of options. So it's like, well, so I literally, I'm sitting down, and I start to push off the chair. And, you know, sometimes when God's moving, things happen in microseconds. Um, between the time I'm sitting in the chair and time I'm standing up, in my heart, my aggravation with the Lord, and I said, well, thank you for opening that door. It's not a good word. little sarcasm in my voice, and nobody heard it but the Lord. By the time I stood up, he said, well, how much do you want to pay? And I thought, oh, you are in the hands of the Most High God. And you don't even know it. This is interesting. I said, well, I, you know, I can do the, I sat back down. You, don't you know, my father was laughing that day. He had to bring that stuff out of me. Don't you see that? He had to say, this boy has sarcasm and I'm going to show him his sarcasm. So as soon as I'm standing up and I said, thanks for opening the door, he then turns this guy, he waited till the right moment where I had, I'd like, I'm, I'm, I'm toast. Like, I got it. Okay, God, my faith is pretty small. Anyway, he says, how many? I said, well, maybe, you know, I could probably do the 100. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, that's three times my money, and, but whatever. And, and he says, well, how many people do you want to pay for? Are you negotiating down? <laughs> I think you're negotiating down. I said, I don't know, maybe I could do 70 or so. He said, is that what you want to do? I said, no, actually, I'd like to do about 40. He said, okay. What? Now we're, I, I should have just said, you want to just give it to me? Like, you know, I mean, you're apparently you're in the hands of God. So he, so he finally says, okay, well, why don't you pay for 20, 25? You told me I had to have 100, now I'm paying for 25 people. It's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So in that time, it was a big deal to do mailers. And so we did a mailer there all around that, that area, that glitzy thing. You know who came? Homeless people because it was a free breakfast. And I thought that was just so cool of God. I looked at one man, he came in, I said, good morning. He said, good morning. 
he ate the food and looked at me and said goodbye. I said, what? You know, good. We're not going to eat the food. It's amazing that God set that up to minister to us and minister to him. So our money that day actually fed the homeless. Didn't pay for a rent. Isn't that crazy? The wonderful counselor told me where to go. The mighty God broke in when we couldn't see any hope. The, etern- the everlasting father had to deal with my gut soul. And then we had peace. One more story. In the spring of this year, we were told at Grace River that God was going to open up a place. We meet in a great um, elementary school right now. We have set up breakdown all the time. And so we're going to have to do all that. And in that moment, we thought, we have no money to do anything like this. But the Lord said it, so I decided to say it to the church. Here's what the Lord has said. I feel foolish. I said to the Lord, this is beyond my capacity. He said, you don't need your capacity. You need my authority, and I've given it to you. So I said to the church, okay, this is what God has said, that he's going to start opening the doors, and we're going to have a place to to call home. In the meantime, my wife prays about it, and the Lord says to her, I want you to think about a home. I've seen your faithfulness as a body of Christ and how you have fought for this, and I'm now going to provide for you. That's an everlasting father, right? So we teach the people how to pray for that, and I pray for that. Six months later, I'm with one of my leaders, and I said to him, I think this is maybe how we could afford this thing, and I'm trying to shuffle the deck and put cards together. And he's, I said, I think we could afford maybe four to $5,000. He said, oh, no, you have more money than that. What do you mean? He said, I've been uh, buying and selling real estate and investing for the future of Grace River Church. And I have $300,000 to open this door. (laughs) Who has that money? Oh my word, I have a mighty God. I have a mighty God. So do you. I started weeping. Chris, this is crazy. Thank you for using your gifts and trusting God and walking into this. To him, it's no big deal. (laughs) No problem. You have a God who's a wonderful counselor. He will give you wisdom. He will give you wisdom. Got to get out of the earth. Stop letting the stuff around you decide what your future is. You got to get back in the heavens because you have a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father. And when you get up here, you'll discover you experience a prince of peace and there's peace in your life. How about we do that today? Want to do that? So I'm going to ask you to take your communion cups. If you're at home, we just ask you to get some resources that you can use in this moment. So we're going to do something specific in the moment, so you just kind of follow me. First of all, I want you to get out the the bread piece. Make sure you only, if you have one of these cups, you're only doing the first part. And I'll be the one that opens up three things. All right, here we go. The body of Christ that is broken for us.
right now I'm going to ask you, by his stripes we're healed. I want you to name the biggest challenge in your life. We're going to crush it with our teeth. We're going to say, no, it has no power in my life. He is the mighty God. So what's the challenge in your life? Whatever it is, let's deal with it right now. Right now, may the grace of God flow upon you. May he flow his anointing and the element of the bread. By his stripes, you are going to be made whole right now. You got it? Let's do it. Lord, bless this. Now, the breaking of his body is only part of it. Because Satan's going to come back to you and say to you again, yeah, you're on the earth and life's a mess, and you're going to have to say, no, the life of Jesus flows into me. So may the Lord grant you great grace through the symbolism of his life, the life's in the blood. So may you drink deeply, deeply from his presence. You ready? Holy Spirit, release this grace upon us. You're an amazing God. You love this church. You love these people. You love this leader that you brought here. You have destiny in the name of Jesus. I speak it as a blessing over them. It's your dreams, not mine. I can't do it, but you are going to do it. Right now, I pray there'd be release of forgiveness for some people who are wrestling. May there be a grace of forgiveness given to them. I pray for the homes where there are accusations and there's hurt in the home right now. Holy Spirit, would you come and release forgiveness and peace and bind them together, the husband, the wife, the kids. I pray for the kids that are struggling right now, school situations and all of that. May your grace be upon them. You have no rival. You have no equal. Your name, we declare, is wonderful. And so we declare it. Amen. Let's respond. Let's respond to the Lord in this moment. Beautiful name it is Nothing compared
beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. And what a beautiful declaration sons and daughters of the Most High God. He has no rival, so you don't either. He has destiny for you. This community needs you to walk in it. Heaven and earth converge in you because that's who you are. Okay, so one last thing. When I'm here, I enjoy the whistlers and the clappers and the shouters, so let's do it. That's what I'm talking about. If I ever come and there are no whistlers, I'll be sad. May the Lord give you grace upon grace upon grace, for that's who He is, Jesus said, grace upon grace. May you experience it in your home. May experience it in your work. May experience it in your relationships. May you get out of the earth and get up into the kingdom. For that is who you are. God bless. Thanks for coming. God bless you. Go on.